This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to Toffee TV. It's my pleasure to say I am joined today by former Labour MP, current Mayor of Manchester, and more importantly, Gladys Street season ticket holder, Andy Burnham. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great. Great to have you on. Um, it's really important to think that we get as many voices out there as we can to try and um, boost Evans. Uh, I was going to say appeal then. That's maybe not the right word. Well, maybe it is the right word. I'm not sure, but certainly we've got a case, I think, isn't it? Is that, you know, because we've got a big argument to make on a number of fronts now, haven't we? So, yeah, it feels like there's not many people out there speaking for us, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly, certainly on the, um, certainly after the second, the second, uh, one yeah that the Premier League of it is where it doesn't it doesn't seem like we have a lot of people uh speaking up for us and we'll come up come to that in a moment but I just want to take you back to November um I think it was the 21st of November when Everton were hit by the 10 point deduction I mean what was your what was your feeling then I mean how how did you hear about it and how you know how did that hit you yeah I'd, I'd picked up wind of it um because obviously there's a lot of briefing going on around around our situation, isn't there? And yeah. um, I was getting kind of getting worried, but I still was thinking, well, I you know I, I don't know, I, I wasn't sure what it would be. But when the news came through, I was genuinely stunned. Yeah, um, the biggest ever penalty in top flight football. You know, it, it, I mean, the reason why I was stunned is because I'd picked up that we'd opened up and we were, you know trying to sort of be honest about the situation. And and it just felt to me all along that that would count for something. Yeah. And in the end, it seemingly didn't. Um, and it just felt, oh, God, you know, what's the sort of benchmark they're setting here, really, in terms of, you know, the punishment and the way in which the behaviours are rewarded or not? You know, it, it just felt it just felt as though it, they hadn't got it right. I mean, I, you know, I felt that ever since, and I still feel it. In fact, if anything, I feel it even more now. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've felt the anger, the anger that's just built up is um, yeah. is 
<laughs> certainly i don't think on that day it quite hit me but the days after when you start yeah. hearing other people's opinions and and then you yeah start, you're not you're not 100 percent sure of like you know you when you hear stuff like yeah you think will he actually go through with it but yeah um, certainly it's one thing up. that hit me actually you know i've been involved in football a long time you know and i've been involved in regulation actually a long a long time as a, as a, a government minister what really struck me was how not just number of people spoke up for us just how little coverage there was of the situation yeah. the fact that people just said oh well you know as though it's fine but it it isn't fine is it mm. um to have something like this just landed on a club like us without any real justification explanation because the premier league haven't explained anything really have they as to how they're going about this it just you know it feels all wrong for a founder member of the football league founder member of the premier league no one's asking for special favours as a result of that, but you are asking for a degree of respect in terms of the way the club is treated. And that seems to have been completely absent to me. Yeah, and you, you've you you've mentioned the coverage previously because obviously the, the days afterwards, we did have that big the big uh, gap because I think we were going into an international weekend and, and mm. um, you have mentioned yourself, you know, you've done an interview with Sky Sports News that, mm. was, that was never shown. We actually mm. did an interview with Sky Sports News that was never shown. Um, right. And previously before that, Sky Sports had, had been very... Um, uh, any opportunity they could certainly to come and speak to us and do a, and do a live. Uh, they were they were all over that. And yeah. you know, have you have you have you heard anything since on on from anywhere why that wasn't shown? Not to me directly. And and bear in mind, as a politician of over twenty years, frontline elected politician, I've never had this happen to me before. Mm. If an interview is carried out, you know, it's always used. Um, and particularly when it's a highly topical issue. So I've not had that before. A journalist put it to me that they were lent on, but then I had it said to me third hand that they'd been in a group uh, meeting with others where they'd said, oh, no, no, the news agenda changed and something bigger happened and we just didn't need it anymore. Well, okay, maybe, but I must say I'm not not particularly buying it um, because, you know, to have thousands of people protesting at that match because it was the United game. It was before the United game that Gosh, I yeah. gave that interview. You know, loads of people talking about it, other fans, not just us. You know, everyone was talking about it that weekend. Just to say it wasn't newsworthy, I'm I'm sorry, but that that doesn't that doesn't add up. And this is the thing, isn't it, about the, the Premier League as a regulator. Hmm. It has a different relationship with the media, doesn't it, in terms yeah. of the, the selling of TV rights. So you know, can its role as regulator be sort of separated from that? Is there not potentially a conflict of interests there? You know, the the regulator with an ability to, if you like, have a different relationship with the media, possibly even put some pressure on the media. That's what was put to me, that pressure was placed upon the media to not to show it. I don't know. I don't have uh, kind of evidence to prove that, but that is certainly the suggestion that was put to me. And if that is the case, that isn't what a fit and proper regulator does. The, a fit and proper regulator does not put pressure on the media not to cover a, an issue if it's a little inconvenient. Yeah, it's it's it is very strange. And as I was saying, you know, I, obviously it's all speculation, isn't it? And there's a lot of conspiracy conspiracy theories out there. But I know for us. We'd done a lot of live stuff, whether it was in the studio or or at Goodison Park previously uh, on anything, really. Anytime they wanted, you know, a, a good line or a good headline or fill some space. And we know that, you know, they came into the studio actually within 
within an hour of of the uh, or a couple of hours, sorry, of of the announcement of the ten points and and number one, it wasn't done live, which is a little bit strange. But they actually sent a cameraman here from Sheffield and then another guy from um, Manchester to to cover us uh, that we don't normally have. And and it, it as you said there for a news cycle, especially going into a week. This was the weekend of the international break as well. So for a weekend where all the conversations was about Everton and a ten point deduction, it's very strange that they couldn't find um twenty minutes or even edit it down to a five minute segment to put in other segments yeah. to use. I felt I found that really, really strange. And again, I don't know why that was the case, but it felt really strange to what um had been used before. And as I said, I mean as I said, I wouldn't want to start any conspiracies. But it just felt very, very different to the way we seen we'd been used in the media by Sky Sports News before. Well, I, I would completely agree, Pad. I mean the thing is, you know, you think of a VAR controversy, they will rage about that all weekend and they'll just let everyone have their opinion about it and that's the way it normally is and rightly so isn't it you know they don't normally uh in any way kind of uh, try to try and block out opinions about things like that but you know this was as kind of uh debated amongst people wasn't it not just evertonians you know everyone was thinking oh god if this is the this is the standard and the way they're going to go about this this has implications for everybody and forest fans obviously are feeling that that now so to say it wasn't a kind of topic of interest is just I you know I don't I don't I don't buy that at all you know something doesn't feel quite right I know the way they briefed newspapers about my letter on the day that I sent mm. it that afternoon of the United game my phone was pinging all, I was in the street on that day my yeah. phone was pinging away as I was well I was I was watching the ball sink into the back of the Gladys Street net <laughs> within two minutes but then yeah. you know, but ever after that. I was getting these reports from journalists saying the Premier League is saying this, the Premier League is saying that, you know, and a lot of it wasn't, in my view anyway, strictly true. So something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't add up. Um, I don't think it's particularly healthy Mm. to be in a situation where there isn't a a very clear public explanation of the approach to sanctions. I just don't think that is a healthy situation when so much is riding on it. People are so kind of if you like worried by this and you know they you know we know what it means to people and for the, for a, the regulator in this case the premier league not to come out and really explain their position clearly for people and really to sort of lay out why it's being done like this and what the principles are that underpin it because there's big questions hanging here you know mm-hmm. is this same formula that they sent to the independent commission in the summer is that now being used with the panels that are being convened to hear our second charge and forest charge yeah yeah and if if it isn't going to be used, well, why isn't isn't it going to be used? You know, mm. We just don't have a, an idea of the policy framework which they're using, no. do we? No. Well, I'll come back to that in a moment, but I just wanted to you know, pick it up on what you just said about the media there, because especially with the second charge, do you feel... Do you feel that the there has been, you know, briefing taking place between the Premier League and dare I say some client journalism? Because I feel like the reaction to the second one has been a lot harsher on Everton and also the information getting out. I mean, we know the information got out for the first one because we know that it'd already been leaked that they wanted a twelve point one. But, you know, to hear people like David Ornstein and Martin Ziegler saying certainly Martin Ziegler I think was saying for weeks before that he felt like Everton were getting a second one. And then for the day before Mark, uh, David Ornstein to actually put out there that we were gonna get a second one. Do you feel like the Premier League have been using a lot of these contacts to their own favour? You know, because we have already spoke about Sky obviously, but for those other journalists, they seem to be getting the stories ahead of everybody else. Well 
All I can say is definitely, you know, I, I remember being a bit stunned when I heard about the second charge. Uh, that was a good fortnight before. So that was briefed and it could only really have been briefed um, by the Premier League. Um, and as you say, uh, the day before, you know, is that is that the way to, to do these things? Mm. You know, you're kind of dropping bits to favoured people here and there. I mean, it's not all been one way, has it? You know, Henry Winter, I think, has given pretty, uh, you know, strong and independent coverage of the whole situation but he seems more like an exception to me than yeah. what you would normally expect where you might okay you'd accept views on both sides wouldn't you it's not saying that we expect everybody to to kind of see it from our point of view but you'd expect more of a a debate about the whole thing and mm-hmm. you know i on the day of the villa games a couple of weeks ago you know I, I was aware of this letter that was landing from dame sue owen former permanent secretary at the department for culture media and sports so brendan barber chair of ACAS, and Mark Carney, former governor of the Bank of England. Now, there's a pretty heavyweight trio, I would say, of public figures. And it got some coverage, but not masses, really. And, um, you know, it, it something doesn't feel, feel quite right. And it does feel a little bit as though the Premier League is using the power of its media contacts book to, to, to manage this situation to a degree. And I'm, I'll just say it, because that's, in my experience in public life, you know, I, you, you've called it and I'm calling it. I don't think this is, you know, we're seeing a situation here to some degree being manipulated, I think. Um, and, it, and it shouldn't be like that. This should be an open, transparent process where everyone knows where they stand. But we don't know where we stand, do we? I don't think yeah. the club knows where it stands. And it just can't be right. That breaches every principle of what good regulation should be. You know, there was that big ruling before Christmas from the European uh, Court of Justice on on the Super League and the sanctions handed out as a result of that. And that ruling repeatedly says that a sanctions regime should be uh, transparent. It keeps coming back and back to that uh, to that to that um, uh, kind of judgment. And uh, you know, in this case, the Premier League's approach has been anything but transparent. Yeah, and and obviously with the transparency, you obviously re- uh, sent a letter to the Premier League, um, and you know. <laughs> There wasn't there wasn't the greatest comeback from them, you know. Have you heard any more on that? Because you were obviously very public, and they wanted to sort of keep it on the down low. Is that is that gone any further? The original letter well, you sent them. I, I have two replies. I mean, they briefed from their reply to the newspapers, so you know that was kind of put out there um, by the Premier League. So clearly, they gave a copy of their letter to to the media. The second letter that I sent, I asked them some very pointed questions, one being would they publish the minutes of the Premier League board meeting of the 10th of August where they agreed this formula that was then sent to the Independent Commission. And I also asked them um, if they would uh, publish details of that formula as it formed part of uh, Mr Masters' uh, submission to that commission. They just didn't give an answer on on that uh, topic at all. And I just took the judgment not to put it in the public domain because it didn't answer my questions. Yeah. But equally, I don't want to be accused of doing something that, you know, that breaches some sort of uh, some some sort of process here. So, you know, I, I, um, I put in the, out there what I feel I can, but it's a difficult yeah. situation for everybody when they are not doing this via full public statements. I would have preferred they just published their letters in reply to me as I published mine. So it's just... It shouldn't really be conducted like this, should it? And it shouldn't be for MPs on a committee in Parliament to be to be dragging some information out as well. You know, this this shouldn't be done like this. Good regulation requires 
a clear and transparent process, a clear and transparent sanctions framework, and we've got none of that. And hence, we feel that we're not being treated fairly. Yeah, and you mentioned not being treated fairly. Obviously, Everton have, have had a second charge. I mean, what are your thoughts on the fact that the Premier League still continue to investigate Chelsea? And now they're saying they have got a date set for Manchester City, but they're not willing to actually go public with, with, their, with the date of that? Well, to me, I'm just focusing on Everton's situation and, and looking at whether this is being done properly. Mm. And I come back to the point about a clear policy to underpin what's happening, because given that there is such an overlap between the two kind of periods that are being considered as part of these two charges, surely there is an issue of double jeopardy here. Mm. Can somebody be tried twice for the same offence and then punished twice? Uh, I mean, I, you know, where's the policy on that? Surely there has to be a policy on that. It can't just be left to the, you know, to the independent commission. Because, you know, the, the point here is they've gone out this policy now 100 miles an hour, haven't they? From yeah. not really doing much about profit and sustainability rules. They've kind of gone at it, you know, all of a sudden they've gone into overdrive from nowhere, haven't they? And they've, they've hit us with this uh, charge. And now because they've got this gone, gone straight to this new regime of dealing with it more within season, it's created a, quite a bizarre situation where one club could be hit twice in the same season. And that surely shouldn't be the policy intention. I, I wouldn't have thought it should be. But yeah, we don't know, do we? Mm. And then all of a sudden this week, there becomes a sort of a floating round of a transfer ban. Well, where's that come from? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But do you know, Ped, where that has actually uh, come from? I, I, I honestly... That out there? I honestly, the first I think, I think first time he saw it was Joe Thomas. Now I don't know where Joe Thomas comes. Joe Thomas is a great reporter for Liverpool Echo. I don't know yes. where he got it from. I don't know whether he's been given, um, you know, a, a tip of the, a nod somewhere. I, I really don't know. But it's just, it's, it's just all a, wrong, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's it nods feels, and it's wings feels very to wrong. David journalist, and it's putting a bit of information there and a bit in someone's ear over over there. I. I mean, this is not how this should be done, given how much it matters to us and, you know, and actually football supporters everywhere, because what they're doing to us will become the precedent, won't it? And then potentially it could impact on, on lots of others. So why is a transfer ban suddenly being uh, talked about? It's as if that's the solution to punish us over two seasons, isn't it? That you kind of hit us with 10 points this season and then the transfer ban will punish us next season mm. because, you know, potentially we lose players in the summer as everyone is speculating the same journalists who are speculating about our our um our, our profit and sustainability situation are then speculating about our players being sold to other people you know a transfer ban this summer would be i think that would be a potentially an even more damaging punishment uh, yeah. than 10 points uh, so you know who's driving this it starts to feel like you know there's a vendetta against everton somewhere within the system doesn't it as though it's been kind of designed to to sort of, uh, you know, damage us at every turn and, and prevent the club from going to a new home, which is going to enhance the Premier League mm. if we're allowed to be in the Premier League. Yeah. The thing that just I just still don't get my head around at all, why, you know, why was none of that taken into account? The mm. kind of, you know, it must be the case that the kind of way in which we're stretched with the stadium has had an impact on this. It just must be the case. And equally, you know, the loss of a player just, just, a player disappearing from our books. Again, that must have had an impact on our situation. Yeah. It clearly hasn't helped our situation. You know, where is the sort of balance here in this in this process and the and the kind of uh, obvious 
sort of fairness. I, I honestly don't see it. And uh, and equally, I mean, I don't want to go too far down the conspiracy road, but, you know, we're told independent panel, independent panel, independent panel, and it's nothing to do with the Premier League. And it's, well, I think in the, if that is the case and they want us to believe this is all about an independent process, they should have done a better job of due diligence on any perceived, any conflicts of interest or any perceived conflicts of interest on the members of the panel who heard Everton's case. Yeah, it's a, it, it just feels like, yeah, the right, the, not, they weren't asking the right questions. I don't know whether they were getting the right replies, but certainly it feels like the, the, the things Everton said to them, they just completely ignored or didn't, didn't have an understanding of the things they were being told, you know, in terms of losing players, um, the 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 loss of revenue because of the war in uh, Ukraine, um, yeah. obviously COVID, these huge, huge things, you know, losing players without, without Everton having an ability to make any money on them. These huge factors don't seem like they, it seemed like they had, uh, you know, boxes to tick, and none of the things Everton actually said to them re- re- matched up with the, the boxes they had to tick. Um, it feels it feels like the formula for whatever it was just wasn't there, and obviously the formula for giving um, a punishment as well just feel far too open ended. I mean, are they the things you're obviously must be worried about as well? You know, being being so open ended, the punishments and not having a formula. I mean, the Premier League, I believe, I believe to have offered up a formula which would have resulted in Everton getting ten points, and yet somehow they came to the ten points, but were not told what what the formula was. I mean, that that's obviously very worrying as well. It's very- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Are you worrying? Um, and it's and it's not right that they still haven't published that uh, formula. And, and how can we have confidence in the process going forward if they won't say whether or not that same formula will be used to guide the panels in the case of, of Forrest and ourselves? You know, because none of it feels like it's consistent then, does it? Mm. And the, the thing about any uh, sporting governing body or league is they have to ensure consistency and there has to be a clear you know kind of perception of that consistency in terms of the way things things are done but it looks anything but right now doesn't it you know i think we've established that the formula that was sent in to the independent commission um began with six points for the um uh for the offense you know for being in breach at all and then adds a, a point for every five yeah. million that, that's as as i understand it that was sent in and then of course the punishment comes back um you know pretty much doing exactly exactly that and the thing is if you read that that ruling from the independent commission they give quite a rap on the knuckles to the premier league yeah when it talks about this formula or policy they call it they called it a policy you know a policy being sent in mid consideration they are quite strong saying this shouldn't have you know really shouldn't have been done given that we were set up on a different basis and therefore we are not going to accept this this formula is a really odd part of the ruling, I, I find. And it's why I still believe and stand by what I said at the start of this. There's, there's been an abuse of process. You know, if you start a regulatory process, you have to stick to the basis on which you've done it. 
Mr Masters told the select committee last week that the policy is to have an open sanctioning regime. What he meant by that, not open as in transparent, I think open as in it's up to the commission. Well, if that is the policy, why were they sending in a formula mid-process? Um, and to what extent does that formula still have have currency? They've also said always that the league, the club, sorry, voted against having a sanctioning policy or formula or framework. Well, if that's the case, what were they doing sending something in? Because the minute you send in a formula, you've set a precedent, haven't you? And you've therefore created a policy. So to me, anyway, none of it makes sense, Pat. And I just find <laughs> it, I, you know, as somebody, as I said, who's been involved in regulation yeah. as a government minister, Number one, transparency. Mm. It, it, otherwise, you just get the feeling that you, know, you get a favoured treatment for one and a different treatment for another, and that's not good regulation. You can't have a lack of transparency about the rules before you start. And then the second thing I would say, in all of my experience, if somebody opens the books and cooperates, that always should reduce the penalty. You know, it, it, it's it's a different you know, way of engaging, isn't it, with a regulator and you know, for that to get no, you know, alongside the other mitigations we've spoke about. I mean, let's be, let's get to it anyway. In my view, you cannot separate the treatment of Everton from the campaign the Premier League were running to try and do away with an independent regulator for football. The two are inextricably linked uh, together. Yeah, and I was just going to come on to that, obviously. Um, Richard Masters was in front of the uh, Select Committee last week and, you know, the, he, he was put in front to ask some difficult questions. I don't think he he really did himself any favours and did the Premier League any favours, but that, how did you view his appearance at that? Well, probably uh, like like you, I, I think he came quite close to misleading the committee. Um, if if you would probably might, may even say may have even misled it, I, I, I don't know. I, I will, I'll leave my judgment on that to others, but mm. I think... You know, I certainly raised my eyebrows at least twice during that session. One where he said, uh, to some, uh, in some way, um, the Premier League has never had a policy of trying to sort of push an independent regulator down the road. He said, he said that. Now, I can tell you that I was on the receiving end of Premier League lobbying against an independent regulator, and I know other politicians were as well. So how does he square what he said there with what was going on behind the scenes, if you like, with the Premier League lobbying heavily, not just a little bit, heavily against an independent uh, regulator. And then he said that point about we have an open sanctioning regime. Well, how does he square that with sending in a you know detailed formula to an independent commission which subsequently rejected it? I, I Again, I, I, I don't think that uh, tallies myself. Um, so that that is what I took from from his um, his uh, appearance. And I and I don't think he he cleared things up. And in mm. fact, I, as I say, I think he came quite close to uh, giving misleading statements to the committee. Yeah, it's it seems um, it's a bit. Do you find it a bit worrying as well? Just how much football is actually moving into the political side of things at the moment? Because obviously, we're not supposed to have any connection with with, with you know that's what FIFA say but between governments and football um, but but a lot of people do seem to be uh, so a lot of MPs do seem to be uh, getting involved with it. it seems like a hot topic at the moment is it is do you find that a little bit worrying or do you find that something that has to come in if we do push it towards the independent uh, regulator 
No, I find it the opposite. I mean, I know, you know there's not a great deal of goodwill on this podcast <laughs> for my profession, so I'll let me just say that at the, at, at the start. Um, but no, I mean, I think we are seeing the effects of very poor um, clandestine regulation. Yeah. And that's what Everton Football Club are currently on the receiving end, where there are, in my view, conflicts of interest between the Premier League's role as the seller of media rights and the Premier League's role as a regulator of, of a league. You know, there's, there's conflicts of interest there. And hence why myself and other politicians over many years have said we need an independent statutory regulator for football, uh, given the, the money that's come into the game over the years, given how much it matters to uh, to the public. Um, we, we need a regulatory system that does things in, an, in a very different a different way. Um, and, and obviously... You know, the Super League issue brought it right to the fore, uh, didn't it? Um, and the bill is landing in Parliament next month. So, you know, the, the, the bill to establish a regulator is is about to land in Parliament. So politicians are involved. And I would say from our point of view right now, we'll open transparent debate and, you know, and a regulatory regime that might mirror something like we might see for one of the other utilities. It's got to be better than what we're facing right now, isn't it? Um, where we just don't have that uh, mm. transparency or that democratic oversight of what is of what is taking taking place, and and I I say it again, you know, you cannot separate the treatment of Everton from what is going on with the parliamentary debate about the football governance bill. I I have heard in uh, in the last couple of weeks that the Premier League has persuaded the government to leave the. Um, uh, implementation and oversight of the profit and sustainability rules with the Premier League and not to give that regime to a new regulator. And I, again, I think that's what this has all been about. They've been trying to sort of use their handling of us as a way of lobbying uh, the government on, on that front. And, I, and I, I'm pretty confident that what I'm saying is, is correct there. Yeah, and, and there are there are obviously talks that those rules are going to change as well. The same rules that <laughs> that Evan have been deducted ten points for could be changing in the summer as well, which again adds another layer to this, makes it even seem even more daft about what's happening to Everton and of course Nottingham Forest now. That if they're going to change the rules, they obviously already know they're not fit for purpose, and we've we're seeing at the moment. It, it, the, no one's buying anybody. Everyone's. I mean, if the Premier League wants it to wants it to make a statement, they have made a statement because no one's buying anyone. So therefore, the Premier League's not improving as a product, um, and they must recognise that because they're looking to change the rules already. Well, the irony of all of this is we were trying to improve ourselves to improve the mm. Premier League, weren't we? And now we, you know, who's going to improve their ground in this in this uh, context? You yeah. know. It's, it gets very challenging and very risky for anybody to do to do that. So are these rules even working? And aren't they just perpetuating the imbalances within within football? The, you know, the gap within the Premier League. How does it make it a more exciting product? I, I don't see that. Mm. You know, because the straitjacket it traps, it, it, to use the, the words that the chief executive used, the smaller clubs. Um, you know, how do you ever break out of that? And don't you just then trap the league in a system that is is hard then to you know nobody can do a Leicester again or it'd be very hard yeah. to do a Leicester wouldn't it and in this regime becomes really baked in to the thing but as you say you know in their mad dash to show they can regulate they are uh, about it would seem to hit one club twice in one season yeah. and another club once and then change the regime to align it with UEFA potentially in the summer and so mm. just just how can that be right I mean yeah. I 
by all you know, by all means, punish Everton. We none of us have said don't, have we? No one has said that that is out of order. But we are absolutely within our rights to say do it transparently mm. and do it fairly, and then consistently with what comes after. And I think there is massive doubt about all of those things. And you talk about you know the the role of kind of other decision makers in football, politicians and others. I mean, here's where we've got to in, yeah. in Premier League football in 2024. Decision-making is shot to pieces on and off the pitch. You can't celebrate a goal, can you? Because you fear something is being manipulated yeah. behind the scenes and there's some, I don't know, you know, can you have trust in this sort of, uh, you know, industrial park uh, somewhere, wherever it is? <laughs> you know, you, you, they are controlling whether you can celebrate a goal or not. Um, but then, as we understand it from the timetable the Premier League has put out for these profit and sustainability rules, nobody will be able to... You can't celebrate Ducore scoring on the last nope. game of the season anymore because some other random uh, bureaucrat is going to be deciding the, the final league placings about sort of a week or 10 days after the end of the season. You know, where's the joy of football in all of this? Where's the kind of, you know, the purity of the competition? You know, I never thought I'd say it, but I would actually go, I would totally get rid of VAR and I would go back to referees making decisions in the moment. Because if you're a referee on the pitch and you see something and you you can at least know that there's no extraneous sort of things going through their mind, they're just seeing it and they're mm. giving it. Actually, I, I, I thought VAR would be fairer to, you know, and would level up the playing field with decision making, yeah. but it's actually done the opposite. Yeah. And I think I'd prefer now to go back to people just making decisions in the instant. Um, because I think on balance, you get a fairer treatment out of that than you do out of what we've got now. No, I, I tend to agree with you because it, I think what everything in football, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch, is being taken to the to the ultimate limit now. It's like because you can, it's like in everything, it's like because you can measure to the millimeter, they are measuring to the millimeter on like every single thing now. The 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 little bit of grace that anyone had in football, whether, as I said, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch, seems to be removed now. And they're looking for the, just the absolute minimal details now to to destroy no, destroy our game i know absolutely you know my, my, my son was there and you know loads of loads of evertonians traveled didn't they a thursday night for a start off yeah. to go down for an fa cup game thursday night you know mm. a school night first week back for everybody that was bad enough wasn't it what was the kickoff quarter to eight was it yeah. um i think it was quarter to eight and then you get a situation like the one we saw with 10 minutes to go i mean what what do they think that represents in terms of the treatment of those people who paid to get on that coach and go down there and then get back at and it would have been a coach because no one was getting back by rail. Yeah. You know, what does that say to those people who are absolutely the, the heartbeat of the game, aren't mm. they? Getting back at four in the morning to have all of that taken off them because of a I don't know, was it incompetence or was it I don't know. I mean the danger for us all is we veer into like, you know conspiracy conspiracy we mustn't go there but my yeah. god we're owed some much more explanation for this for the situation we we find ourselves in and just to have you know all of the the game being decided by i don't know lawyers and god knows god knows what dave kelly makes a good point uh you know that we're all going to be transfer deadline day in the future is going to be done on chancery lane with everybody outside you know <laughs> sign the best kc for yeah. uh, you know the fight for the rest of the uh, the, the season. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned it before. I mean, if if it plays out, we we could be finding out the Friday after maybe the last game of the season who's been relegated. I mean, 
That is, that's what, I mean, what does that, how is that uh, anything for the Premier League, you know, in terms of like the last day presenting the game with a big asterisk on? Well, maybe... it makes me ask, you know, are, are football people making these decisions mm. at the Premier League or, or or what? Or is this sort of, you know, what, what what's happening here? Do they understand the reason why the Premier League is so popular? It's so popular because it's dramatic and it's vibrant and it's, you know, in the moment. And that's what made it popular in the first place. Mm. If you suck that spontaneity and that joy out of uh, top-flight English football, you will kill what made it so-called the best league in the world. Well, it really isn't heading in that direction uh, right now, is it? People are watching matches, sort of pondering the backroom manoeuvrings that are going on, and they're thinking about what lies behind that Everton thing and why. The minute it's gone to that, yeah, you're in a different place, aren't you? And they yeah. they are really. And this is why Everton's fight is everyone's fight. Every yeah. football sponsor should be concerned about this because what is actually guiding the game? What what are they doing? Where is the transparency? Hmm. The danger is once it's gone, it's gone, and and that's the that's the real risk. They're playing with fire, I think, the Premier League in terms of the 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 damage they risk doing to the game, the chilling effect hmm. on decision making. As you say, if they really impact, get inside every head of every owner and manager. We're just going to end up with people being so cautious now that they won't, you know, won't invest. You know, they they will be always looking looking over their shoulder, and that will just drain the life out of Premier League football. Yeah, I mean, it used to be. I mean, obviously, we could all just go go the match, and then suddenly we all had to become accountants to go the match. Now we have to be accountants and lawyers to go to go the match, which is um, which is just terrifying, just terrifying. Well, fancy being a politician and having to go to the match. Imagine <laughs> how that is. Because <laughs> yeah, we're involved now as well. Yeah. So, well, but, I was, I was yeah. going to ask, just going to ask you on that. Just, just a couple of more questions for you. Obviously, we know there's a there's a number of Labour MPs who are who have been very supportive on this. Is there is there um, MPs? You don't have to name names, obviously, but is there MPs from other parties that have showed support from this, but maybe haven't necessarily gone public with that yet? Yeah, there are, um, and you know, without going through all the details, I. I just think the um, uh, person who conducted the fan-led review deserves uh, credit, Tracy Crouch. She she gets it, and um, I think she's a real force for for good. And you know, I think um, uh, Tracy's done a really good job, to be honest, with the review, and then what's come from uh, from the review. But to be fair, I thought the committee did a pretty good job. Um, you know, and they 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 asked some good uh, good questions, and that was MPs on MPs on both sides. Mm. So. You know, I, you know, I know. As I say, my profession gets a bad name at times, but there are decent people on both sides who care, who care about care about football. And I, yeah, I've picked up a lot of worry, to be honest. So Ian Byrne, as you say, has spoken out for us. Yeah. Steve Rotherham, you know, credit to Steve, gave up his Sunday morning recently to come down before the Villa game, sat in the Spello for an hour or two, which is <laughs> pretty brave when you're the copite in chief of the Liverpool City region. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, you know, there's good support from people. I, I'm. I'm amazed, really, at how much I get people coming up to me saying, "God, it isn't fair." You know, keep mm. keep going, keep asking the questions. That comes from a lot of quarters. You know, people of lots of different political persuasions. So, um, yeah, maybe I pass that on just in case that gives people listening to the podcast some encouragement. You know, there's a lot of support for us out there, even if everyone isn't making it publicly known. I think people are, you know, kind of worried about what this means if a club like Everton are treated like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ian Bain's my MP, so I know he's a good fella. Um, <laughs> just one yeah. final one, just one final one for me. Just, um, 
you mentioned the letter that was sent in recently, uh, say Brendan Barber, Mark Carney, Dame Sue Owen. Um, you mentioned that it hadn't got a lot of traction in the media. Do you think that's one thing where Everton as a club, or maybe, I don't know, on the outside of Everton, we need someone to step up on our behalf? I mean, you're doing a, you're doing a brilliant job. You're getting around different podcasts. You're trying to get yourself on the news. I mean, you're trying to get yourself on the news. That's if they'll show, show the clip. But do you think we need someone out there who will stand up? And I know this is difficult for the club, but just someone out there, whether it be an ex-player, someone with a little bit of kudos out there who can stand up and try and get that message across because I do think it's the one thing as a football club, club we're really missing and we all know that is, there's obviously a lot of podcasts out there with you know a lot of ex-professionals, whether it be Gary Lineker or Gary Neville or whoever it is. I think that's the one thing we're missing at the moment, just that, that spokesman on our behalf who can, get, who can cut through the noise and, and get this message across to people. I, I can see why you asked the question for, for sure. Um, but the question would come, well, what's that? What's the relationship of that person to the club? And then immediately it could have implications uh, with regard to what is an ongoing legal, uh, you know, legal process. Um, so I think it's a difficult one. And I think this comes back to everything that we've been talking about, Ped, which is the lack of a kind of clear regime um, that is guiding all of this. Because truthfully, from what I know from people I speak to in the club, they, they don't know where they stand in relation yeah. to what, what's going on. Things are being briefed to newspapers before being told to them. You know, it's, it's you know, you can't sort of criticise them for feeling a bit sort of worried then for how they, you know, something might be used against them, might in it? So, you know, who would who would that person be speaking for? You know, can the club speak in this, in yeah. this process? You know, are they able to put their point of view out there other than, other than, to, to the um uh, to the the, the appeal uh, process so it's it's I think it's it's just a really unfair and unacceptable situation all round and you know it's it's one that we really shouldn't be in we shouldn't be going into the mat to the match always protesting should we you know no. Goodison is in its last days you know Goodison should be every single game should be a celebration now of Goodison Park and yeah. what it's meant to English football not just to us but to English football this is the you know the grandest of the last great old English grounds, isn't it? Mm. And and yet they're shroud they are shrouding it in protest. And let's be clear about it. They are doing this uh, to us because of because of the way they are treating Everton Football Club. It, it, it isn't right what they are what they are doing. I would be the first to say, look, if there was a regime that we understood and everyone knew about it, well that's different. But it isn't like that. And I just don't feel they should be treating this club of ours like they are at this particular moment, uh, this particular moment in time. So We'll keep coming on. I think there's lots of us who who are, you know, not just me. There's lots of others who are speaking out. And credit to um, to Dame Sue, Sir Brendan, and Mark Carney, you know, for, for for getting out there. You know, their voice matters as well. So I just think we just got to keep keep um, keep pointing out how wrong this process is. And I come back to it. We're not saying there isn't a case to answer or some punishment is 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 justified. Just to start throwing it out there now that it might be a ten point ban and a transfer ban. I mean. For the what effectively the same period or some of this, it, it's, you know, yeah. none of it, none of it, it, it feels right, does it? So, credit to you and other podcasters. You know, we, we've just got to keep uh, pointing out these these discrepancies. But where are you, mainstream media? Step up and cover this properly. This is about the future of English football. You're, you're conspicuous by your absence and by your silence. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's about time they got some of us on to have a bit of a rant. A rant. You'd think they'd want us going on having a bit of a rant, wouldn't you? But well, I was often to go on. I think Jamie Carragher said, you know, we had a debate about it online. I don't know if you saw that. And he said, yeah. come on. And I said, I will. You know, but <laughs> no invite yet. But yeah, you know, it, I will it? go on and do it. I, yeah. you know, I, I would have. I did do the interview yeah. for, for Sky Sports News. You know, yeah. why is there a media blackout on this? Mm. I, I, I. I think the media need to answer that question. Why? Where is the coverage? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And 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 that's and they've got the power, haven't they? Ultimately, you know, they can they can literally just keep us all in the dark. But well, but well, look, it's important, isn't it? In my yeah. profession, you know, where there's live debates about things, the media coverage, you know, illuminates things, doesn't it? And then it can exposes a weakness or a loophole, mm. and then you know, and then that's how the democratic process works. But I don't see a democratic process here. I see a secretive regulator mm. doing things without justifying what it's doing uh, with inconsistent, potentially, approaches to, to things. And and no one thinks that's a matter of public interest when this is the national sport we're talking about. I, I don't know. I just don't understand any of it, to be honest. And that's why, you know, I'll keep coming on these programs. <laughs> You know, I, I do care about Evan, and I get grief in Greater Manchester. Oh, well, you're doing this <laughs> you know, again. But this is about the game, isn't it? And and what is the game going forward? And what's mm. it about? And will our kids enjoy it like we did? And as things stand, no is the answer to that question. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just want it to be fair, don't we? That's all we want. We just want it to be fair, and yeah. and yeah. and and our game to move forward. Because I think that's. The, I think also. I think. A lot of people are just really protective of our of the game as well. We want the game to grow. It's not always about just being Everton. It's about the, it's about looking at other situations and going that's not unfair and recognizing it as well. So I honestly think we could talk about this all night because there's so many facets of this, um, which which just leave you bewildered um, and and scratching your head. And and obviously we've got to wait now probably till the back end of February to find out what the appeal is. And obviously well, a, a lot of stuff will come off the back of that. Should we give people some hope before we go? go We've on, got a great go manager, haven't we? Yeah, well, listen, we we actually got a game of footy this week, and 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 then there's an FA Cup game, and 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 hopefully we can we can move forward in that, and that always gives you hope, doesn't it? That always it gives does. you hope. It does, and you know, I I see a squad of players here who've got more about them than we've had in recent times. Or maybe that's the Sean effect as yeah. as well, but they do, don't they? They're players that you can kind of get behind, aren't they? Because you know they seem together, they seem to give a lot of themselves to, mm. to games if, even if everything doesn't doesn't go to plan I don't the Wolves game is a real disappointment but maybe we would yeah. do one like that I don't yeah. know but I don't go into any game at the moment thinking as we did in the past well this is one you just got to you just got to you know grit your teeth and just accept the punishment mm. it's not like that is it you still no. feel you can get things from games you know and that Villa result was actually a really good result even though yeah. you know we didn't come out feeling like that I guess but so the progress we're making on the field, you know, we're in danger of missing it, aren't we? Yeah. And and I, I just worry a little bit. If they leave this cloud hanging over us all the time, who's going to sign for us? You know, are players going to drift away? That's that's another thing here, isn't it? You know, they're just yeah. shrouding us in sort of controversy, aren't they, at the moment? And yeah, that's not fair. But let's get let's be positive. We've got, you know, a team that's worth watching. We've got a manager that we can get behind. You know, there are positives, aren't there? 
Yeah, there are, there are, and it's just I suppose it's important not to carry that negative negativity into the ground, isn't it? Because you're right. What's you know what's going on in the pitch? It's it's going all right. And if if we did have our ten points back, we'd be in a much healthier position. I think we'd all be quite happy where the club was going. But it's just that that cloud, yeah. isn't it? Just hanging over, and it 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 just yeah. it covers everything. And if we can get to the bottom of that and get away from that, whatever in whatever way that that unravels, then you know even if they give us some points back, I think I think we'd all just be a little bit happier well I tried to do a big positive thing there at the end and um, if uh, if we've lost 1-0 on Saturday night and Ross Barkley's got it then don't speak to me for a week is it no but that's fine that's fine because that's football isn't it that's football we know what football is we we've we've done this all our lives we've gone up we've had ups and downs it's the minute someone goes oh those points that you've won oh no you didn't actually win them that's when it suddenly goes hang on this isn't our game anyway and I know other clubs have suffered that and I know other clubs are still suffering the likes of Reading and people like that they're obviously still suffering it but the minute someone it does it's not about what's going on the pitch and the minute it's about something that's completely away from it and and lawyers and and that's completely that's not football to me, and no, so no. so yeah. If we were it, uh, listen, if you get beat, like you mentioned there, Wolves got beat. You yeah. you know you have a debate why you got beat, but you, as long as you're not bringing in, well, it's because we didn't have this player because we're not allowed to play him because of this. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. nonsense, yeah. nonsense. But yeah. Andy it was absolutely great to have you on. Um, Thanks we'll, for having me on. We'll yeah. we'll, and... uh, we'll stay in touch. We'll keep ourselves updated with you as as it proceeds. And, um, and let's you know, keep this campaign going, everybody. Absolutely. You know? Credit to you for, for keeping it going, but everyone else out there, you know, I, I think this is, you know, this is almost a bit of a defining fight in the future of Everton Football Club. And our uh, our parents, grandparents, and those who supported the club before us would be requiring us, I think, to be doing what we're doing and sticking together and, and speaking up for this great club of ours. So let's keep, uh, keep tight together and uh, keep it going. There you go. Big thank you to Andy Burnham for joining us to discuss all the latest on uh, Everton and their 10-point deduction and the fight, the fight for football and getting our game back and, more importantly, getting those points back. (laughs) Make sure you're uh, following Andy on Twitter and uh, keeping up to date with him fighting the good fight on Everton's behalf. There you go. Make sure to give this video a like. Subscribe if you haven't already. If you want more great videos, join us over on Toffee TV Premier for daily exclusive videos and videos and podcasts without any adverts whatsoever. The link is in the description and the QR code is coming up on the screen now. See you later.